0: continuing our series, God on Demand, and I've been raising the question, how big's your God? I mean, how big's your God? And I ask the question because I am convinced that the way most people live their lives is directly correlated to the size of their God. And it's been my observation that too many Christians, uh, we talk a big game, we talk about a big God, but we live little God lives. The fact is, God's a small part of our lives. Instead of living big, instead of living bold, you know, big God lives that we've been talking about, instead of that, we, we, we tend to uh, venture out into deep waters And instead of trusting God, we we don't. We, We don't trust that God is big enough. We don't trust that God is strong enough to deal with whatever it is we're going through. You know, instead of living the abundant life that Jesus Christ promised, that life full of joy and hope and satisfaction and peace and power, instead of living that way, we live weak. We live fragile. We live with high levels of worry and fear and anxiety. We we live lives where we're easily overwhelmed. And we live in a state of exhaustion. Because when God is small, it is all up to me. Small God, big problems, small lives. And I think what happens is as we face uh, something new in our life, whether it be a challenge or an obstacle or something that maybe is going to stretch us or make us grow, what happens is we panic and we retreat and fear kicks in and we kind of get paralyzed in life. And some of you, as I'm talking right now, something's popped in your head and you're thinking about it. And it's got you rattled. Now, maybe it's an issue, a relational issue. Maybe it's a vocational challenge. Maybe, maybe it's something with your kids. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a battle with, with temptation or some sin in your life. But what happens when we get rattled and fear kicks in? The, the problem that we have, whatever it is, the problem and the challenge... Associated with that problem, get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it gets in your head and it keeps playing over and over. And as it gets bigger and bigger, what happens is we get smaller in our lives. And then we start thinking, well, I don't have what it takes to meet the challenge, I don't have what it takes to face the obstacles, you know, I don't have what it takes to lead or to believe or whatever. Anybody ever felt that way in your life? I mean, the problem gets big, we get small. Friends, our God, our great big God, does not want us to live in fear. Our great big God does not want us to shrink back from whatever the challenge is in our life. Our great big God wants us to live bold, wants us to live big God lives. The Apostle Paul, he writes, he says, I pray that you begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to those who believe him. And here's my prayer today. It's been that all week, is that God would open the eyes of your heart. That God would would help you see just how incredibly great his power is for your life. And that God's power is bigger than whatever the challenge is, whatever the doubt is, the frustration, the fear. God is bigger than whatever your inadequacies are. And I know as I'm talking, some of you are going, yeah, well, Damon, you don't know what I'm going through. And you're right, I do not know what you're going through. But make no mistake about it. Whatever it is, I know with certainty that God is bigger. See, our God's not small. Our God's powerful. Our God's all-knowing. Our God's ever-present. Our God is big, bigger than whatever it is you think. Remember, uh, this is several years ago, but the uh, FedEx had a uh, commercial on, and it was kind of a spoof from the movie Castaway. Do you remember the movie Castaway? Let me see. you remember? Yeah, all right. But Tom Hanks, he he played a uh, FedEx worker, and in the movie, the company plane crashes. And so he ends up stranded on the island for five years, and he finally gets off the island, and he delivers one of the packages that that he had taken care of that whole time. Well, in the commercial, they've got a kind of a ragged look-alike. He's not near as handsome as Tom Hanks, but... uh, Anyway, he, in this commercial, this guy delivers the, the package to this woman in, in a, kind of in a suburb. And so he explains that he's had this package for five years and that he was shipwrecked and kind of goes into it. And, and so she thanks him. And then he turns around and he's like, you know, I'm really curious what's, what's in the package. And so she opens the package up, and she goes, oh, nothing really. It's just got a satellite phone, a global positioning device, a compass, water purifier, and some seeds. That's all. Yeah. Friends, God has given us unbelievable resources. But you've got to open it up. God is bigger than whatever. God wants us to live with power. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, For our God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of what? That was weak. Let's try it again. Spirit of power, love, self-discipline. You know, I remember, and I think I've shared this before, but I remember a very embarrassing moment in in my early ministry. And uh, I had very carefully prepared a message on the power of God. And I talked about the fact that God's uh, omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's this unlimited power that he has and ability. And I spent the entire message trying to convince everyone about the power of God. And so when I finished uh, at the church I was at at that time, people would come up front. And they would talk to me. And I had a little stream of people coming up. And in my mind, okay, I was young. I'm like, man, how am I going to handle all the affirmation? You know, how am I going to handle all this love? And, and, and so the first person kind of stepped up and they go, you know, Damon, you spent the entire time trying to convince me about the power of God. I already know about the power of God. I already believe in the power of God. I want to know how to access that power. So maybe the next time you talk on this topic, if you could spend just a few minutes reminding me about God's power, and then spend the rest of the time telling me how to tap in to that power, it, it, it would just uh, it would be better. And so I was uh, cordial, and I thanked them. And all right, inside I was thinking, "Lay not your hand on God's anointed." That's a pastor's favorite verse. They, they, they throw it out there. And in the Hebrew, if you translate that, it means, what do you know, buddy? You have a clue, you know. But, no, I, I, remember, I remember thanking him and thinking, okay, whatever. I think the lady that was next overheard our conversation. She was an elderly lady, and she just walked up, and she goes, what he said. And she just turned and walked, walked off. And friends, about every other conversation I had that morning, very familiar comments. We do not doubt that the creator of this universe has an enormous amount of power. We don't doubt that. He wants to share that power. But we don't know how to access it. Could you please tell us how to access it? Friends, people wanted to know how to access this big, powerful God that we have. And I missed the mark that morning. The fact I remember it tells you something. It was a, one of the turning points in my ministry. Because what I did that next day, I started kind of on a trek to read God's word, figure out from God's word how to access that. I I wanted to gain access to to God's power. And I really ended up stumbling across something that has served me very well personally and as I've tried to help other people. And so what we're going to do, we're going to talk about God's power today. I'd encourage you, listen up. And we're going to apply some just principles that, that will help us tap into God's power that you can apply to your your daily challenges in life, okay? So, I'm going to do a little channel surfing this morning, and I want to take us kind of on a sightseeing tour, and we're going to kind of build a case here. And we're going to start in Egypt, about the time of the Exodus. Is the Israelites they they were slaves in Egypt, and might remember and as the story goes Moses keeps saying let my people go and God sends plagues in fact there are 10 plagues that God sends and finally Pharaoh he just tells Israel he says get out of here hit the road be gone I'm tired and so they pack up their gear and they start heading toward Cana they start going toward the promised land now shortly after all the Israelites had left Egypt. Pharaoh kind of uh, comes to his senses. You know, he made an emotional decision initially, and he, he starts kicking in his, his, in his mind. He goes, uh-oh, we're in trouble. We just lost our, our labor. It was cheap labor. In fact, it was slave labor. And it is going to impact us economically as a country. We are in trouble and so he calls on the—I don't know if they had the Egyptian National Guard or what, but he, but he calls on them, and he sends them to capture the Israelites and bring them back. And so the, the army, in just a matter of hours, they track the Israelites down, which really isn't surprising when you think about it. I mean, the Israelites are kind of moving like snails. There are over a million of them. There's elderly people. There's children. There's children. There's animals. Uh, They didn't have uh, Atlas van lines back then, and so they're carrying all their their gear. The Israelites look over their shoulder. They realize that this army is bearing down on them. They freak out. In fact, they fall apart at the seams if you read the story. They realize they have a really, really big problem. In front of them, they've got a sea. Think ocean here. It's uncrossable. Behind them, they've got the Egyptian army that's rapidly approaching. They're hemmed in. They don't have anywhere to go. Fear kicks in. It takes over. Moses takes the situation to God and kind of explains what's going on like God didn't know. And, And God gives Moses an answer. In fact, we find it in Exodus 14, verse 13 and through 15 it says and moses said to the people fear not stand firm and see the salvation of the lord which he will work for you today for the egyptians whom you see today you will never see again the lord will fight for you and you will have only to be silent The lord said to moses why do the people cry to me tell the people of israel to go what to go forward now what just happened there I want to kind of rewind the scene people of Israel they're afraid they're afraid they're in this dire situation Moses comes before the people he says I just got done talking to God everything is going to be all right calm down God will deliver us you know God has given me some orders, very specific orders. We are to start marching forward toward the sea. And somewhere between here and there, God's going to intervene. Trust God. Stand firm. Keep moving forward. Now, I'm just curious, how many of you would have bought into that at that point? I mean, you got this army bearing down on you. You're worried for your life. The sea's in front of you. And God says through Moses, keep walking. Keep trusting. Keep moving in the direction that I'm telling you. Move forward. I am going to honor your faith. I'm going to honor your obedience by a display of supernatural power. Power as we move forward in obedience. Now, I figured something out about people. That's not how we like power. We want God to share power a different way. We we would like a very detailed plan about what God's going to do. And we would really like to have the power now. I want it now. I want it immediate, before the crisis, before the problem, before the ocean's edge. I want it now. But God, in this passage, God God says, keep walking, keep trusting, keep moving forward. God's power is accessed as we move forward, as we move forward in obedience. When they reach the sea, God parts the waters. They walk through on dry land. Pharaoh's army, they get about halfway through and God kind of relaxes his grip on the sea it crashes in on them and and we're told pharaoh and his armies drowned and god delivered so there we got a story i want to look at how that works in the trenches of everyday life you know let's take a situation let's take a a husband that uh, maybe had a fight with his wife you know And let's just assume that for the most part, he was right. I know, we're going to have to stretch it a little bit here. But let's just assume, okay, that for the most part, he was right. But he was absolutely wrong when it came to the anger, to the borderline hostility that he had in his spirit. And, And so after they have this exchange at breakfast, maybe he goes to work and he's deeply wounded you know he's at work he can't concentrate because he keeps thinking about what what happened and the holy spirit holy spirit keeps tugging at him pushing on him to call her to apologize to just move forward here and in his mind you know how this battle goes right in his mind the holy spirit's pressing him. he's like no way she deserved that i can't call her i mean that that would just be humiliating and besides i mean nobody nobody's really perfect are they and so all morning he's got this fight going on the holy spirit keeps pressing him and he keeps pushing it off and finally at lunch he kind of acknowledges that you know the right thing to do would be to call her So he tries to muster up the, the, the strength. He knows he ought to do this, but he just can't bring himself. Now, this guy finally does what a lot of us do. He decides just to just go and pray about it. And so his prayer is goes something like, you know, God, I, I know you're powerful. I know you created the heavens and the earth. I know you fed the multitudes and you've healed the sick and you've performed all these miracles god give me the power to do this i need to make things right with my wife you know give me the strength give me the courage to to call her so that we can work this out amen then he waits waiting for something supernatural to happen waiting for something and nothing doesn't feel a lot different clouds didn't part he didn't see a flash of power that infused him he didn't have poetic words roll from heaven so that he could put them on the tip of his tongue and say the words that needed to be said make things right nothing there's nothing and so he concludes that his prayer didn't work oh well i tried and so his relationship is going to take another hit does this sound familiar come on does this sound familiar ever you ever had those moments you know you you want god to move want god to do something but pray about it nothing Now, here's what I would do, because I understand that we can access God's power as we move forward. And if I could sit down with this guy, I might pull up a chair. Maybe he's at lunch, have lunch with him. And first I would ask him, so how's this plan of yours working for you? You know, I mean, how... Made the call yet? Is it helping your relationship? And then I would just dig into it and say, look, I know you feel bad about this. I know that you hate the way that you talk to your wife. I know that the Holy Spirit's been prompting you to make things right in this situation. I know that you've prayed about it. You've asked for strength to make this call. And I know that you didn't feel any supernatural power from heaven after you prayed. And I know you feel like God just didn't come through for you. And I know that you're ready to put this on the back burner and just move on like it didn't happen. But listen to me. Your phone is on your desk, right? Your office is what? 25 feet 30 feet you know it's down the hall right get out of your chair walk to your office pick up the phone stand firm obey god's spirit move forward and somewhere between here and your phone somewhere between there god will give you the strength to do what he prompted you to do, God will come through. And that's the conversation I would have. It is a God-given principle that you find throughout history, throughout scripture. It is power as we move forward in obedience. And there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that God would empower that guy to make the call and say what he needs to say And what God's been prompting him to to say, if he just moved forward in obedience, if he just moved forward, he would find power as he moved forward. It's how God works. Now, take a look around you for a moment. Go ahead, look around. Look at the person next to you down down the aisle. It may not look like it, But every one of us, every one of us that's here is battling some pressure, some obstacle, some temptation. Almost everybody here is facing a situation which seems impossible, and I understand to a greater or lesser degree. But almost everybody here is dealing with something where they need God's power applied to the situation. Now, here's the deal. Some of you have hit the pause button in your life, and you're sort of stuck. Some of you are lifting half-hearted prayers to heaven, and you're waiting for God to miraculously intervene to solve whatever the problem is. The fact is, some of you, if you were honest, you would say, what I'm doing is not working and it's not working well at all. In fact, some of you would say you feel like God's power is not available to you, that not much is changing in your life, except that you pray less. In fact, underneath it, for some of you, you secretly wonder if God's so powerful Why aren't I experiencing it in my life? Some of you feel like the guy in the office. You sense the direction that you need to be moving. You sense God's prompting. But instead of moving forward, instead of trusting and obeying God, you're waiting for power before you move. It's power along the way that God promises. It's when we put that one step in front of another. It, it, it's that power that starts getting involved. Let's change channel. Similar story, Joshua 3. Joshua is now the leader uh, of Israel. Moses has died and Joshua has taken over. He's been leading the people at this point. They've been wandering around in the Sinai Pen- Peninsula for a while. God says, today's the day we go to the promised land. Now, there's a big problem. The Jordan River's at flood stage. There are no bridges, no boats, no motor cars, not a single luxury, all right? God says, we're going across. God says, it's not going to be a problem. Tell jo- God tells Joshua, he says, What I want you to do is I want you to organize in a line. And I want you to head toward the raging waters. And he instructs them to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which is a symbol of God's presence. He says, I want you to carry that Ark at the front of the line. God says, head them up, let's move them out. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're in that group of people. And you're maybe fourth or fifth or sixth in line, all right? As you get closer to the water, it is churning. It is a raging river. I know what I'd do at that point. Be like, uh, women, kids first, go, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you'd be chivalrous, right? I mean, no, uh, yeah, no, wait, right? you go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. But again, God announces, God says, I'm going to intervene. But when? When we get to the river's edge? No, this time it's different. God says, I'm going to wait till you're in the water. I'm going to wait till your feet hit the water. Scripture says, the priest will carry the ark of the Lord, and the master will of the whole world, into the Jordan ahead of you. When they step into the water, it will stop. The river will stop flowing, and it will stand up in a heap. God says, I promise power as you move forward. I promise to deliver you along the way. And I'm sure whoever was that first one to had to step in was like, When the water finally went back, they're like, thank goodness, it's about time. Let's fast forward again. New Testament. This is the first recorded miracle of Jesus. It's at a wedding reception. The party planner had miscalculated, they'd run out of wine. So Jesus sees the situation. He instructs some men to, to fill these large containers. These would have been very, very large containers. Fill them full of water. Then Jesus tells them to draw some of the water out of the containers and take it to the wine testers. Now, I want you to think about it. These guys, they're probably like scratching their head going, okay, these are wine tasters. This is water, water tasters? I, I don't get it, Jesus. And something, Jesus must have looked into their heart and and intently, I don't know, but he goes, hey, you know what, something might happen between here and there. Somewhere along the way, we know from the story that Perrier became Chardonnay. Now, I'm seeing a pattern starting to develop in Scripture. Would there have been a miracle if the servant... Or the servants stood with the cup going, Eh I'm not moving. I'm gonna wait till this water becomes wine. It's water. Still water. I'm not taking this to him. You take it. It's water. I'm waiting. You take it. It's water. Let's fast forward again. Stories found in Luke 17. We got 10 lepers. They're dying of leprosy. It is a dreadful disease. These guys are struggling to just make, make a living for themselves. They see Jesus. They see and they know that he's a miracle worker. And so they figure it's worth a try and they cry out and they say, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on us. Heal us. We need a miracle. And Jesus responds and says, no problem. Go show yourself to the priests. Now, They were the unofficial health department of the day, the priests were. I want you to think about these lepers. They're looking at themselves. They're looking at one another. They're looking at Jesus. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priests. They're thinking, let me get this straight, Jesus. You want us to go into the city. You want us to show ourselves to the priests. And you want them to tell us what we already know. That we have lepers, leprosy. I'm looking at myself. Nothing has changed here. And you can almost hear the conversation. This is stupid. not going are you going I'm not going nothing's changed and one of them finally says you know guys suppose something happens between here and there maybe the miracles waiting to see if we have enough faith to go there I don't know about the rest of you But I've got nothing to lose, and so I'm going. And for some reason, the others bought into it because Scripture says that's exactly what they did. Jesus looked at them and says, Go show yourself to the priests. On their way, they were healed. On their way, they were healed. On their way, they were healed. Friends, I could take you all around the Bible. We could surf a lot of stories that reinforce a very basic principle that God is more than willing to intervene in difficult situations, in the challenges of everyday life, when we demonstrate faith when we walk forward in obedience, submission. It's a power principle. It's a power principle that you find throughout God's Word. Now, here's the deal. Some of you are waiting for God to do a miracle. I mean, some of you think you're waiting on God... But the reality is God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you to take that first step, to take that step of obedience, to go forward in the direction that his spirit prompts you. So what if God's omnipotent? So what if God is all powerful? What good is God's power, friends, if we do not take advantage of it and move forward in faith the fact is where do you need god's power today where do you need god's strength because we all need it i mean maybe it's a temptation in our life maybe it's a battle with some sin that has got its grasp on you maybe it's a a, a relational issue Maybe it's an issue with your kids. Maybe it's a vocational challenge. Maybe you're looking at changing jobs or things, things are getting shook up in your life. Maybe you're recovering from divorce. Maybe you're dealing with a tragic loss. You know, maybe it's an ethical dilemma that you find yourself in. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is God's bigger than whatever it is you face. Whatever it is you face, God is bigger God is bigger, and as you trust God, as you seek God, as you walk forward in obedience, and that's hard sometimes, but somewhere between here and there, wherever it is that God's calling you, wherever it is God is saying move forward to, somewhere between here and there, God sees your obedience and God responds to your faith and God gives you the strength somewhere along that way. One more fast forward, okay? This time Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus is really struggling at this point. When you when you read the passage, it is just agonizing. And, and Jesus is... Agonizing over what's ahead in his life. Because he knows torture and humiliation and the crucifixion is ahead for him. But Jesus is going to pay that price. He pays the price for you and me, for our sins. And so Jesus pours himself out in prayer. In fact, scripture says that the prayer is so intense that he's sweating blood. That's an intense prayer, isn't it? Jesus finishes that prayer. He gets up off his knees. I want you to think about what that moment must have been like. Jesus had prayed. There's no miracle. He's still facing the same situation that he had prayed about. Can, can you imagine how exhausted Jesus was at that point? But he gets up off his knees. He gathers his disciples. He says, let's go. And Jesus walks forward in faith, in obedience. And along the way, he's put on trial. He's beaten numerous times. He's nailed to a cross. And God gave him the power and the strength to complete that redemptive work. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And he finally says, it's finished. And he pays that price for you and me. Jesus was obedient. Jesus trusted God, and it was his father. Jesus moved forward in obedience, and he received power along the way. Paul writes, he says, I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him here we go it's the same power that raised christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at god's right hand in heaven power jesus didn't see the power until he walked out of the grave but he received the power to be obedient Every step, see the miracle didn't came came later, but it came. And friends, when I when I read that, it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I go, that's big. That's big, God. The God that redefined my life in that moment. Redefine many of your lives. That's big God. And that's the big God life that we're to live. You know, things don't always go the way we plan. Life doesn't always turn out the way we planned. But the only thing I know to do in life is walk obediently trusting that God will give me the strength to take the next step, to take the next step, and ultimately, big God may not be in this life, may be the next, but God will perform that perfect miracle to make things right. I don't know what you got today, but all of us, have something that we need God's power in our life, we need God's strength in our life, I challenge you to just lift it to God and keep lifting it to God and be obedient to God, whatever direction God's calling you. Be different for all of us. Let's stand in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit, I I know it's whispering to every one of us here. There's something where we just need to walk forward. We need to step forward in faith. And God, I know for some, they're not sure which direction, but I pray your Holy Spirit would just scream, drag, pull them, whatever needs to take place to make it clear what that direction is. and God, just give us the strength to take that next step and to trust you. God, we need you in our life. We need you every moment of every day. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be obedient. God, help us to know Your presence. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Let's worship together.